It is the A-Train Sports Talk podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith, the number one podcast throughout the state of Kansas, city to city, state to state, coast to coast. Interviews, news reports, breaking news, and the return of outside-the-box non-sports related. So tune in to your favorite host and conductor of the A-Train Sports Talk podcast, Anthony Smith. This show is going to be a loaded show. I have the coach's corner times two. Yes, that's right. I did get confirmation. We're going to have the coach's corner and also give you some more high school football preview. The information I'm sharing with you is courtesy of KGSO and their magazine, 18th Annual High School football guide for South Central Kansas. So I hope you enjoy the show because I have two special guests on that. Not one, but two. So you're going to get a double dose. Even though one is from a different sport, it doesn't matter. It's the coach's corner. and You're going to enjoy it. Chris Davis, former coach at Campus Hayesville High School. Y'all remember him? Y'all remember that magical team he had? I could tell you exactly where I was at when the season got called to an halt. It was during the state tournament as a matter of fact as a matter of fact Sterling Gaston Chapman was playing on that team I believe he was a junior that year I was at the boards at KGSO studio when they made the announcement that after this the season was over but yes Chris Davis that coach Chris Davis also joining me today will be none other than the head man at Northwest High School who has been there for 12 years my good friend Steve Martin to talk about his team, what they took away from last year, and what he can build up on to move forward this year as they are tabbed as one of the possible state champions for this year coming up. So the last time I was on with you, we uh, looked at pretty much the G- we looked at the whole G wall and we dived into the ACTVL Division One. So today we're going to look at AC. BCTL Division 2 and we're going to go as far as we can because like I say I have coaches interviews lined up that I believe that you will enjoy so we're going to look at AVCTL Division 2 and a look at the AVCTL Division 3 as a matter of fact and possibly 4 it just depends on what time will allow for. So, without further ado, let's get on into this. And looking at the ABC TL Division II, starts off with the Andover Trojans, a 5A school. Their head coach is Ken 
Dusenberry. And their schedule is as follows. And you know all these games start September the 1st, which is right around the corner. And they pretty much go in order. So on the 1st, we have Andover going up against May South. Then they travel to Arc City. Then they take the journey from Andover, taking 54 going west into Goddard. Then they welcome in Salina Central. They also play host Goddard Eisenhower. Then Valley Center. They take trip to Valley Center, and then that crosstown rival game on October the 13th, I know it's marked on everybody's calendar, it's a revenge game, they lost that game last year 38-14, Andover Central, and then they close out another home game, looking for another revenge game as they host Hutchison. So the Andover Trojans went 3-6 and six in their 2022 campaign. Coach Ken Dusenberry is entering his fourth season as Andover head coach and has a record of 16-13 and 13 in the previous three. The Trojans boast eight returning starters on the offensive side of the ball, including quarterback Cam Longre- uh, Longacre. Longacre, there we go. They will have a lot of experience at the skill position spots as returners also include two running backs, two receivers, a fullback, and a tight end. On offense, Andover runs a power gun style. On the defensive side, the Trojans return five starters in their 3-3 stack attack. Returners include Tate Hutchison at defensive end. Linebackers Will Baker and Logan Warkentine. And defensive backs Tanner Wolston and Longacre. The Trojans will open the season with May South on September the 1st. Moving right along. Arkansas City Bulldogs. Let me emphasize that. Arkansas City Bulldogs, 4A school. Head coach, John Weimers. Their season schedule looks as follows. At Winfield on the 1st, then on the 8th, Andover. Then on the 15th, at Andover Central. On the 22nd, Goddard comes into town. On the 29th, Newton. Then on October the 6th, at Goddard to Eisenhower. On the 13th, Valley Center. And they close out with a trip to Salina Central. The Bulldogs are coming off of a 3-7 season, a near-exact mirror of their 3-6 2021 season. Arc City struggled to keep their opponents under 40 points scored, allowing that a total of four times throughout the season. In games, they were victorious. The Bulldogs allowed 14, 21, and 13 points, respectively. John Wimmers looks to have a stronger, more consistent look for his defense and team as a whole in 2023. And let's just take a look at some of those victories that they were talking about. They won over Winfield by the score of 43 to 14. They Beat Goddard Eisenhower 22-21. And I imagine that they won a game in the playoffs. That score is not recorded. Up next, 4A school, Andover Central, the Jaguars. Head coach, Derek Tuttle. Their season looks as follows. Bueller at Mays. Arc City at Goddard Eisenhower. And at Goddard the following week. Salina Central comes to town. 
Andover, then a trip to Valley Center. The Andover Central Jaguars went 7-4 last year, including a 4-2 mark in the AVCTL Division II. The Jaguars got two playoff wins before being eliminated in the third round by Wamego. Every loss the Jaguars incurred before the playoffs came to schools in a higher classification. The Jaguars will look to build on a strong 2022 performance this year and go even further. Up next, 5A school, the Salina Central Mustangs. Head coach Mark Sanbo. And their schedule is as follows. At Salina South. Then Goddard Eisenhower comes into town. Then they travel to Emporia. Then they travel to Andover. Then they host Valley Center. Then they have then they travel to Andover Central. Then they host Goddard and they close out with Arc City coming into town. The Mustangs are coming off a successful 8-3 record in their 2022 campaign. With playoff win over Andover and Great Bend, Salina Central season came to an end at the hands of the Hayes Indians in November. With ferocious offensive performances and standout defenses to boot, the Salina Central Mustangs look to improve their seasons and make further strides into November. Up next, 5A Goddard Eisenhower Tigers head coach Darren Fisher. Their schedule looks as follows. They start the season off with Hutchison. Then they have two back-to-back games at Salina Central at Valley Center. Then they come home to take on Andover Central. Then they travel to Andover. Then they host Arc City, Salina South, and they close out with a road trip. Well, it really isn't a road trip. Across town to Goddard, the catfighting Goddard, the battle for 54, whatever you want to call it. The Goddard Eisenhower Tigers are coming off a 3-6 and six season that ended in a first-round playoff loss to Great Men. Head coach Darren Fisher enters his fifth season leading the Tigers. The 2022 season was highlighted by win over rival Goddard Lions in the last regular season game. On offense, the Tigers return Nate Ham, Tyson Beering, and Noah Packard on the offensive line as well as Carter Pabst at wide receiver and Lucas Dickman at running back. The defense returns six starters, including defensive lineman Travis Nicholson, Makai Tagatak, and Hunter Hauser. Also returning on defense are linebackers Max Brown, Nick Griffin, and cornerback Mac McDonald. Seven of the 11 returning starters on either side of the ball received all-conference honors last season. The Tigers will have a first-year starter at quarterback and junior Derek Morgan as they look to improve on their finish from last season. And staying in Gardert, the Gardert Lions. Their season schedule looks as follows. A trip to Hayesville. Then they host Valley Center in Andover. Then they hit the road and go to Arc City. Then they come back home for Andover Central. Then they travel to May South. Then they travel to Salon Central. And then the annual cat fight in the jungle. They close out with Goddard Eisenhower. Head coach Tommy Beeson led the Goddard Lions to a 5-4 and four record in 2022. He enters his sixth season as head coach with a 26-25 and 25 record. Goddard returns 34 lettermen, including 14 starters, 
to their 2023 team. The Lions look to compete for the ABCTL Division II crown and then hopefully get the playoff monkey off their back and play deep into October. With a cultural focus on toughness, the Lions look to play a unique style on both sides of the ball that showcases the blue-collar mentality that is the lifeblood of the Goddard community. On offense, all-league first-team running back Micah Johnson, Cat Quick Mason Healy, and breakout player Jaden Cohens are a triple threat in the wishbone. Defensively, Goddard returns last year's four leading tacklers, including first-team unanimous all-league linebacker Lane Nelson and first-team all-league safety Ashton Sale. The Lions play a unique style of football, and the South Side pride grows stronger every year as the players, parents, school, and community continue to buy in to the blue-collar tough mentality that is the foundation of Goddard's football. And what I'm going to do right here is I am going to pause and take a break. And when I come back, we will look at the AVCTL Division Three. So don't you go nowhere. Stay seated because the ride is still in motion. You're listening to the A-Train's Push Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. seasoned barbers on staff, Tony and Malcolm. Once again, that's Midtown Barbershop, located 256 North Topeka. Bald haircuts, fades, beard trims, grooming, you name it. You may go in looking like five bucks, but by the time they get through, you'll leave out looking like brand new money. Simply priceless. That's it. Midtown Barbershop. Tony and Malcolm. Tell them A-Train sent you. You're all aboard A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Talk podcast, getting your your most comprehensive high school football preview, South Central Kansas. 
You know we do it straight up here on the train ride. Like I say, special guest coming up. Most likely in my next segment with former coach of Campus Hayesville, basketball coach and legend, Hall of Fame worthy, if he's not already there, Chris Davis. And then later on, head football coach at Northwest High School, Steve Martin. Looking forward to having those guests on. But right now, we're going to look at the AVCTL Division Three. I wonder if this is what they had in mind when they were talking about conference realignment. Because there are four divisions of the Art Valley Chisholm Trail League. And this is Division Three right here. So, we start off by looking at the Tawanda Circle Thunderbirds. 4A school head coach Logan Clothier. And their season schedule looks like this. They open up with two back-to-back road games at Labette County and at Bueller. Then they come home for two with against Winfield and the Bullpups from McPherson come calling. Then they go on the road to Augusta. Then they also travel to Abilene. Then they close out with two road game, two home games with Wellington and Mulvane. The 8-3-2022 Thunderbirds began the season with scoring 105 total points in their three wins to start the season before falling to the team that would eventually end their season, the McPherson Bulldogs. The Thunderbirds were able to put up at least 34 points in each of their wins en route to their, their playoffs until the aforementioned Bulldogs ended their season. Coach Clothier looks for the Thunderbirds to strike once again. Moving right along, 4A school Winfield Vikings head coach Monty Lewis. The Winfield Vikings went 2-8. Well, let me give you their schedule. They start off with Arkansas City. Then they take on Field Kenley. That's the road game. Then they travel to Tawanda Circle. Then they host Bueller. Then they hit the road again to McPherson, and they travel to Mulvane. Then they close out with Eldorado and Augusta. The Winfield Vikings went 2-8 and eight last season and was eliminated in the second round of the playoffs by Andover Central after a first-round 31-28 win over Wellington. The Vikings will be tested early in 2023 with the Cowley Cup game in Week 1 against Arc City. The Vikings are led by head coach Monty Lewis, who believes they had a better team than their record showed last year, but feels this year's squad needs to step up and win games when they have the chance. Finding depth will be a huge key for the for Winfield in 2023, as well as trying to stay healthy. Got to always watch out for that injury bug. Up next. Mulvane Wildcats 4A school head coach Daniel Myers. They open up with Field Kenley. Then they travel to Independence. Then they come back home for Augusta. Then they have two straight road games, Rose Hill and Bueller. Then they have Winfield and McPherson at home, and they close out with a trip to Tawanda Circle. Mulvane will look to bounce back from a 1-8 2022 campaign in 2023. Coach Daniel Myers starts his sixth season as head man in 2023. 
on offense to Wildcats return offensive lineman Caden Abasolo, who was a second-team All-League performer a season ago, along with fellow second-team All-League running back Fisher Dye. On the defensive side, Mulvane had one key returner at every level. Abasolo, who was first-team All-League on the defensive line, will be joined by honorable mention linebacker Garrett Olson and second-team All-League defensive back Shannon Fuller. Coach Myers says the team will have to hit the ground running with Coffeeville in week one. He also thinks addressing the turnover margin from last season will be key to 2023. Up next, the Rose Hill Rockets head coach Landon Wright. They start their season off with Wichita Collegiate coming in for a visit. Then they hit the road to Andell and Clearwater before coming back home to take on Mulvane and Abilene. Then they travel to El Dorado, then they host Bueller, and then they close out with the game at Wellington. The season started slowly with three straight losses for the Rockets, but they were able to rocket back to contention once they rattled off three straight wins in the middle part of the season. The Rockets' low-scoring affairs kept them just under 500, but they were able to catch a W in the playoffs, but won't much more in 2023. And that was a look at the AVCTL Division 3. What we're going to do now is go on into Division 4 as we take a look at the Eldorado Wildcats head coach, Brandon Wise. Their schedule is as follows. They start off with Clearwater, then they take a trip into Wichita to take on Collegiate, then back home against Andale, then back on the road for two games, Augusta and Wellington. Then they have Rose Hill at home, hit the road again for Winfield, and they close out with the home game against Independence. The Wildcats bared through the majority of their season starting the year with three straight losses before earning their first win against the Orioles of Augusta. Later in the year, a double overtime game had the Wildcats riding back to El Dorado with smiles after a win against Independence. The Wildcats have a lot of work to do, but have a foundation to start with. Up next, Clearwater. And also, let me make a correction as I was reading off the Division 3s and Division 4. I mistakenly read Rose Hill as a Division 3, but they're actually Division 4 along with El Dorado. So now we keep the train rolling on the track. Just a small derailment there. <laughs> it's okay to laugh at mistakes. Make. At least I can own up to them now. How about that? Anyway. Up next, 3A school, the Clearwater Indians, head coach Jimmy McDowell. Their schedule is as follows. They start off with the road game at El Dorado, then come back home for three straight, Wellington, Rose Hill, Wichita Collegiate. Then they travel to Wichita Trinity. Then they host Heston. Then they travel on the road to State Powerhouse Wamego, and they close out at Chapman. There is some optimism in Clearwater with just over 60 Indians showing up for the summer football workouts. Look for Bo Rubido to win the QB spot and should have some weapons to throw to in Cooper Williams 
and Braden Burkamp. With tough runners returning to the backfield in Weston Buford and Bryson Snell. The question still lingers, who will join Rocky Hens and Aiden Snell up front? Answering the bell to this question may determine the success of the Indians' offense this season, this fall. Clearwater brings back some key pieces to that 3-3 stack defense led by D.C. Tyler Hampton. Hens, Hennings leads the charge up front, while Buford and Snails return at linebacker. Bo Rubido, Brayden Bergkamp, and Aaron Schroeder return in the defensive backfield. There is optimism that this defense could become pretty stout. Up next, the Wellington Crusaders. Wellington, Kansas, just right up the road pretty much. Their season starts off with three straight road games at Andale. Those Indians from Andale, that state powerhouse. Clearwater, Wichita Collegiate. Then they host Labette and El Dorado. Then they have two more road games at McPherson, at Tawanda Circle, and they close out with the road with the home game against Rose Hill. The Wellington Crusaders are coached by head coach Jeremiah Meeks. The Wellington Crusaders are coming off a 5-4 and four season in 2022. They returned nine starters on both offense and defense to the 2023 team. On offense, junior tight end Brody Wire hauled in 15 catches for 153 yards a season ago. Grady Norris added 16 catches for 241 yards for the Crusaders. Dusty Bannister and Kenny Redford both saw playing time at quarterback last season. On defense, Wellington will rely on their front seven to make the transition easier for a younger secondary. The Crusaders have a tough test out of the gate with Andale in week one, and that's no joke. I think Andale is like three-time defending state champions. I know at least two-time defending. Riding an undefeated streak, one of the longest streaks, not just in Kansas, but right now one of the longest streaks in the nation for high school football i seen an article on that so i hope to pull that up sometime here soon and elaborate on those andel indians speaking of which i'm gonna do something i haven't done for the other schools i'm not showing no bias i'm just showing how impressive this is their record last year they were undefeated andel indians 3a school head coach dylan schmidt who were their scores last year? Wellington, 63-14. Rose Hill, 60-0. El Dorado, 58-19. Smoky Valley, 57-8. Nickerson, are you ready for this one? 108-0. That's the game I believe they caught flat for running up the score. I mean, they had their third and probably fourth, probably had their JV team in. I mean, what do you tell the kid that's about to cross the goal line? Are you going to tell him not to score? I mean, there were some that understood the nature of that game. Put it that way. At Wichita Collegiate, and Collegiate is usually no pushover, 49-0. At Cheney, 42-14. Pratt, 32-0. Let me count that. One, two, 
three, four shutouts. Andell Indians were 13-0 last season and won the 3A state title under head coach Dylan Schmidt. After graduating a senior class that went 51-0 over four years, the 2023 season will bring a new set of challenges for the program. Schmidt said, we will need several people to step up and fill some roles, especially on the offensive line. Most of our defensive unit and offensive skill positions. The Indians returned 35 lettermen, including four offensive starters. First team All-ABCTL running back Gage Prosser returns in the backfield along with All-League offensive lineman Henry Eck and Cody Engelbrecht. On defense, Ando returns just two starters, but as many players that gained experience and saw game action last season. They have an all-league performer at every level with Ian Odd on the defensive line, Carson Butts at linebacker, and Landon Hart at defensive back. Ando will look to continue to build on their four consecutive state championships. They need an applause for that. And closing out the district, well, that will actually end a look at the AVCTL Division 4. So what I'm going to do right here is I am going to take a break. And when I come back, I am going to have my special guest, Chris Davis, on the line. So... Don't you go nowhere, as I say so often. This train is building up ahead of steam, and it's just going to get better. So, stay seated till the ride is over. Enjoy the ride. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Mr. Max Market, formerly known as P&P Seed and Babe, is fully stocked for all your pet needs. We carry Victor, Bully Max, Diamond Value Pack, and many more brands. In addition, we carry collars, chains, and any pet supplies you may need, including grooming supplies and dog shots. Make sure to like us on social media. all aboard the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Welcome into the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. That's right, this is your host, your conductor, and I told you in my first segment that I had a guest on board today. As a matter of fact, I have a couple of guests, but this guest here, I mean, he was hired back in, I believe, 2014 to take on a campus basketball program. 
Now, I'm going to be honest. The last time I remember campus, there was a guy named Ron Myers who played at Kansas State University. That was the last I remember of campus. But this young man was hired by campus. It took him to great heights. And I was sad at the time because I was working as a board operator at a local radio station when they made the announcement that this would be the final game. And I'm thinking, all that hard work, nothing to show for. But they rebounded won back-to-back state championships with the guy at the helm by the name of one Chris Davis. Coach, welcome aboard the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Glad to have you on board. Well, thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to do this, and I, I look forward to the next, however long it takes to do, but I'm sure we can tell a lot of good stories and fabricate a few, and we'll be good. <laughs> Man. I, I looked at your track record, and you've made multiple stops. So when I say you made multiple stops, that means you have put your mark, you've put your stamp wherever you've been. I've seen that not only were you at campus, you was at Wichita South, you was at Garnet Anderson County, you was also at Capon. What was one of the differences that you noticed at each of the stops that you were at? Well, I, you know, I started, I started as uh, a permanent sub at Wichita West, the year Weston Sharks, the first year Weston football job at West. And so I worked on his football staff and for one year, and then I had a choice. I got hired full-time by the district and I had a choice to stay at West and Wichita Northwest also had an opening. And I could coach basketball at Northwest. And that's really what I wanted to do. So I went to Wichita Northwest for four years and was an assistant there. And then uh, started this crazy journey that led me to Garnett, Kansas. And the main reason I took the job in Garnett, Kansas, was it was 45 minutes from my front door to Allen Fieldhouse. <laughs> and I was working, you know, I was working basketball camp at the time for Roy Williams. And you could always go to games and things. And they had just built a brand new school in Garnett. And uh, so uh, I thought it might be a, a good challenge. 4A basketball was a, probably a great start for me. At the time, I really thought I knew, knew something. And I found out I didn't know very much. And uh, that's where the job just kind of started. And had a, had, a, had a nice little run there. I came back home. To Wichita, uh, I worked for Dell Faber at Bishop Carroll. I taught Dale at Hadley. Faber. I taught at Hadley Middle School, and that's really where I learned what it takes to be a successful head coach. Was the three years under Coach Faber, and uh, those were some of the best. Those are the best memories as far as coaching. I've got a, a lot of memories, but those three years with Dell Faber meant the world to me. And he really, really helped me get, um, you know, through the next 30 years. And uh, I was fortunate enough. I mean, I'm sure that Coach Faber single-handedly got me the Capon job. But the only thing by Capon, I didn't teach there. And we had an unbelievable year. And I was a special education teacher. And there was a nun that was the head of the school. And she says, as long as I'm here, we'll never have special education services at Capon. And I said, well, I'm going to look for a job. I said, I want to stay here. You know, it was my alma mater. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I, we won a state championship in 1980 at Capon, and I would have been there 30 years. And then she told me that, and then that's when I went to South for eight years. So um, went to Wichita South for eight, for eight years, had some unbelievable players there, and then went to Liberal, and then came back to Wichita, and uh, I was really looking for something, and I was out of teaching for one year, and uh, I got hired at Mays as a long-term sub, and uh, I'll never forget Mark Hott, their athletic director, said, hey, if you're going to be here, you're going to help us coach. And I said, I would love to. And I didn't even know Mike Dara, who Mike Dara was. And Mike was the head coach at Mays at the time. So I helped Mike for uh, a year or two, and then the, he, he resigned on the last day of school. And he says, hey, I resigned today. And he says, I, I, I hope you get this job. And, uh, you know, I never had any intentions of being the head coach there at all. I thought I would just be an assistant for, you know, five or six years and ride it out and be happy. I loved it there. And uh, I took the job at Mays, but I was only a, a part-time teacher. And uh, we all know that teaching pays the bills. Right. And Mike left, and I was fortunate enough to get the head job and then the campus job open. And I'll, I'll, I I, I remember it like it was yesterday. I called Myron Regeer, who was the principal at campus at the time. I said, hey, can I talk to you about your basketball job? He says, yeah, who are you recommending? And I, <laughs> he thought I was calling to recommend somebody. I said, myself. And he goes, get your stuff into me right away. And I did, and the rest was history. So, so let me ask you this question here. I got to ask this question because you bring up Dale Faber. And I always seen Dale favorite rest in peace as a animated guy on the sideline. And I would liken him to say, uh, Rick Majerus. Would that be accurate? The, you, you hit it on the head. You hit it on the head. Exactly. Yeah. Cause I mean, his, his mannerisms, uh, I believe he wore the vest as well. I never seen him in a suit and tie. And I mean, everything about him just like, this isn't Rick Majerus 2.0 on the high school level. So at these multiple stops that you were at, what was the difference in the culture of the community where you was at? Because I knew each stop possessed a different challenge in different cultures. What did you notice? Um, just like in a one, like, like for example, Garnett, I mean, that whole town's behind you. I mean, you're the only show in town. Uh, as like compared to, you know, you play a game to campus and you got games, you know, you probably got 40, 45 games in the radius of 25 miles that people have to make a choice to go to, um, you know, um, just the, the, the liberal same way. I mean, they're going to support you and, and come to games and, and, uh, uh, you know, support their teams. Uh, whereas, uh, you know, when you're coaching at Wichita South, there's eight other games that night as well, you know, and, and the support just, you know, the support comes from, you know, parents and uh, kids in the school and that kind of thing. Um, you know, it's pretty special uh, to be in a, in a one high school town that, that's not surrounded by 
you know, a lot of other schools, you got to travel and those kind of things because the community supports phenomenal. But I got a great Rick Majera story for you. You won't believe this. Okay. So you talked about, I, I loved Rick Majera's just watching from afar. And so I called one day and I was going to, I wanted to go work his basketball camp. And, but, but I called up there to get a sweater. You know, I used to wear those Reebok Utah sweaters. Mm hmm. And we were getting ready to have our banquet at Bishop Carroll. So I called and uh, I said, Hey, I said, you know, this is Chris Davis, I coach basketball, I'm an assistant coach in Wichita, Kansas. Is Coach Majerus around? And the, the, the lady goes, No, she's not here right now. He's not here right now. And he goes, I'll take your number and have him call you back. And I said, Great. I'd, I'd very much appreciate it. So about two weeks later, it's like 12, 12 30 at night. And my phone rings. And, uh, you know, my wife at the time answered the phone. And he goes, Rick Majerus, head coach, University of Utah. Is Chris in? And, and you know, <laughs> Linda thought that somebody was playing a prank on me. Somebody had a few too many frescas or something. <laughs> and she goes, hold on. So it's like 1230 at night. I answer the phone. I go, hello. He says, Chris? I said, yeah. He goes, Rick Majerus. He goes, I got to apologize to you. He goes, I got a good secretary and I got a really bad secretary. And he goes, you talk to the bad secretary and I apologize. <laughs> and he goes, what can I do for you? And, you know, I said, coach, I said, thank you so much for calling me back. I said, this, this is a pain. Don't worry about it. And I said, I'm trying. I said, our head coach is Dale Faber. I would love to get him one of your sweaters. And I go, I'll pay for it. I'll do whatever I need to do. He goes, no, no, no. He goes, he goes, hell, I'm just flattered. Somebody wants one. <laughs> and uh, he goes, you want a new one or one that I've worn? And I said, uh, I'm. he would appreciate one that you've worn much more, I'm sure. He goes, on next day, air it out, and you'll have it in two days. And then he goes, would you come work camp? And I said, coach, I would love to. So two days later, come, and uh, – there's a box on my doorstep on the east side of town. I open it up, and there's that a sweater uh, from Rick Majerus. Wow. And uh, so I got it for Coach Faber. He, he loved it. And the next five or six years, I went and worked camp at Utah, and it was uh, it was an unbelievable experience. And I really fell in love with Salt Lake City. Uh, I'd, ne I'd never been there. And just uh, just there's so much to do, and it's such a beautiful state, you know, in the mountains and things. So. It was a it was a great experience to do that, but that that is my claim to fame with Rick Majerus, and I love. Him. And he, he used to say, "You need to get me some players up here," and uh, he goes, "I I need some players." He goes, "I need to get players from the Midwest," and uh, but yeah, a lot of great stories uh, going to Utah and working camp. I met Frank Layden, the old coach of the Jazz, Frank Layden, Utah Jazz, right? Yep, we went to uh, Salt Lake City Buzz baseball game. They were a AAA affiliate, I believe, of the California Angels. But we worked day camp, and then Majerus would get us all tickets and go do things at night. And uh, about five coaches went to the game, and Frank Layden was there. And I got him to sign a baseball. He signed a baseball for all the coaches that were there. And I'll never forget, he looked me straight in the eye. He says, Chris, I'm going to tell you one thing. He goes, just one half of them, they can never fire you. <laughs> <laughs> that, is a, that is a good philosophy. Unfortunately, that didn't work for someone at WSU, but that's neither here nor there. But, yeah, that's a good philosophy. Win half of them, and they will never fire you. I tell you what I'm going to do right here. I'm going to take a 
pause, and we're going to come back on the other side. I have some more questions to ask you, but I hope not to detain you too long. But it's the A-Train Sports Talk podcast, my passenger today, none other than Mr. Coaching Legend himself, although he's going to downplay it, Chris Davis. We'll come back on the other side of this break with more of Coach Davis. Mr. Max Market, formerly known as P&P, is fully stocked for all your grocery needs. We carry the largest selection of hot links in Wichita, including the world-famous Oklahoma links from Mountain View and Rogers, Kansas links from Yoder, Colorado links from Gold Star as well as national brands such as Siegel and Dietz. Our meat department stocks ribs, pork butts, pork chops, brisket, hams, chicken, hamburger meat, oxtails, buffalo fish, whole catfish and fillets, and much more. In season, we stock hard-to-find produce such as red, yellow, orange, and purple meat watermelon, cantaloupe, melons, tomatoes, corn, greens, okra, and more. We have a huge selection of fish fry, seasonings, sauces, and rubs including the full lines of Louisiana and Slap Ya Mama products. In addition, we have all grocery staples including flour, sugar, bread, butter, cheese, snacks, milk, canned goods, candy, snacks, and drinks. You all aboard the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. I'm having a blast riding this train down the track. And I have to question the sanity of my guest because I don't know how many trains he's ridden on in his lifetime, but for him to trust me with his life in my hand, I'm a locomotive. Something has to be wrong with this guy. <laughs> Coach. There's been a lot of people say that. Coach, once again, glad to have you on the other side of this break here. And you was telling some Rick Majerus stories and Majerus stories and talk about running some camps out there. What are some of the things that you learned in those camps that you were able to pass on at your various stops coaching high school basketball? Just how fundamental he was. I mean, the fundamentals that he he would teach those kids. He, he would just come and lecture and leave. And then you, you'd come back 30 minutes later and he says, I'm ready to go. And he'd lecture for like an hour and a half. And he'd have these poor kids in a stance the whole time. And I mean, you know, just like he was coaching his team. But just how fundamentally sound he was. And, you know, he, he, he loved he loved sex, Stockton, and Malone. And he always compared, you know, those three jazz players, you know, the pick and roll and and, and all how how sound those players were fundamentally. And, you know, that's what he taught and that's what he believed in. He believed there was a right way to play the game, you know, by moving the ball and, and screening and passing and not dribbling all the time. And I'll never forget that uh, Devin Bryant and Kobe Carl, George Carl's kid, they were high school kids in the camp. 
and you know that that's that's pretty good talent right there mm-hmm. and uh uh i remember those kids being there Devin butler of course had a great career with um with uh, the dallas mavericks and uh, i think colby carl is coaching as one of the bright upcoming stars coaching in the g league uh but just uh the fundamentals that he would drill uh those kids in and uh, you know, great coaches, great other great high school coaches that you get to meet that you've never had a chance to meet from all over the country would go and work this camp. And, um, you know, I was right in the middle of the Mormon community and it was great. It was great. But I do remember since this is a podcast, I can say this. We worked all day in the gym. I'm tired. It's like nine o'clock at night. So I went up to the dorm and showered and it was like 100 degrees in Salt Lake City. And it really doesn't get, you know, it really doesn't get that hot. And so I was hot and showered and I went out to a bar and I said, give me two beers. And the lady looked at me and she goes, you can only order one. You're in Salt Lake City. (laughs) You can can only get one at a time. And I said, well, be ready to bring me another one because I said, I'm thirsty and I'm tired and it won't take long. But I'll never forget that because... Uh, just how the laws were different, you know, in, in, uh, in the state of Utah, but, uh, you know, great times. And then the next year, well, I went back to work camp. We got to stay in the U S Olympic facilities cause they were building the dorms for the winter Olympics because mm-hmm. they were housing athletes at the university of Utah and they were just absolutely beautiful. And then they were going to, of course, leave those for the, for the students, uh, when the Olympics were over. So, um, the, the living situation improved greatly the next year I went back. Absolutely. So let me ask you this, because you, you brought up the uh, the beer episode. Did the same hold true for caffeinated beverages like coffee, Coca-Cola, Mountain Dew? They're going to come up and ask, the, you know, the first thing they're going to ask you is, can I start you off with some lemonade? And I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> The only reason I asked that question, because, you know, at BYU, they have some strict policies. You can't drink right. caffeinated beverages. I'm like, I wonder if that's a statewide thing. So, yeah, it, 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 I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Right. So I, I want to move forward now because, uh, like I say, I was working at the time before KGSO got sophisticated and kicked me to the curb. I'm, that's a little joke because I know some of these guys are going to hear this. But I was working the board for the guy that was called the play-by-play. And the announcement came down that this was going to be the final game. And I believe you guys were in the midst of a undefeated season, or I know y'all was in the state tournament. Yeah, we were in the first round. First round, the state yeah. tournament against Manhattan. What was the mood like? Because I believe y'all won the game. But outside of that, what was the mood like when you had to tell the players that, this is the final game because I know it had to be a lot of mixed emotions, but it didn't feel like a celebration, even though I believe y'all won the game. I have to share that news. What was that like? Yeah, it was horrible. Uh, half the guys stayed back at WSU and what, because they wanted to watch Blue Valley North play because that would have been our second-round opponent. And so some guys stayed back. Then I bought a group back on the bus. And uh, – my phone rings. We're, I'll never forget it till the day I die. My phone rings, and we're on. Uh, I'm on the bus, and we're pulling into the bus ramp at campus. And I look down, 
and you know the 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 mood is is joyful, and we're 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 going to we're two games away from a state championship. And if you remember, I mean, we played well against Manhattan, and Keith had that three sixty dunk, and I mean, yeah. everything was just rolling. Sterling was playing great, steel, Sean, everybody was on point. And um, I look down as Josh Godwin, our AD. And I, before I could even answer, I hear a scream in the back of the bus, coach. And it was Ty Johnson. Mm-hmm. And I said, hold on just one second. I answered the phone from Josh and he said, Hey, he said, they're canceling this thing. It's over after these games tonight. So, you know, I, we just got off the bus, heard everybody in the locker room. We just sat and, you know, uh, shared some tears, shared some laughter and we were all there to about midnight, one o'clock, and it was uh, it was horrible. Yeah, and they don't, you know, Friends University never taught me that in all my in my years of school and of going to school there. What do you tell your team after you're undefeated and you can't finish the season? And uh, uh, there's no textbook for that. So right. It, it's it's from the heart. It's from the heart, and uh, so. Yeah, we 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 felt sorry for ourselves for a little bit and hurt, and but uh, we all left on 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 uh, would have been Friday more early Friday morning midnight, and uh, we had school the next day, and uh, my principal called me in like at seven o'clock, David Morford, and said, "Hey, he says we're we're get some things done. He says we'll get some rings ordered for you guys, and he goes we're not going to let it go in vain." Absolutely. That uh, was nice. uh, And our kids showed up to school. They were great. You know, they got up out of bed and didn't feel sorry for themselves. And they knew. I mean, everybody in in the state that follows basketball knew that campus was the best team of 2020. And I so bad wanted to play Blue Valley Northwest in the finals. We would have had to get by Blue Valley North and then would have probably played Blue Valley Northwest in the finals. And that arena would have been – packed and i believe it would i I mean that that would have been a game for the ages i believe that game would have been as classic and i'm gonna take you way back i think that game would have been as classic as the kansas illinois all-star classic when ricky ross hung 41 points on isaiah thomas (laughs) yeah they david peeler had a pretty good day too kid at left-hander out of newton yeah he could he could shoot it a little bit too but it would have been a great atmosphere and i i think when I when people really took notice that our program was turning was when we played Wichita East on a Saturday night at campus and just hammered them. And I said, I told the reporter, I said, I want to be like Blue Valley Northwest. That's how good, you know, that they were the measuring stick. Yeah. They were the, you know, they were the they were the big boys on the totem pole. And uh, so it never happened, but uh, uh, people know people and. and I saw Reed Shouts one time. You talked about Ricky Ross. Reed Shouts played at Wichita South. He was Michael Sims' running mate. He was a two guard at Wichita South. Mm-hmm. And I'm in the bank one day. This year, this was like two or three years after the 2020 season. And Reed knows basketball. He's a great player at Wichita South. And he says, Coach, he says, that's one of the best teams I've ever seen. He goes, you had five guys six guys really that could just score at will and they run selfish and they were they were about the team and they were on a mission and 
I've told people, and I told Taylor Eldridge, or not Taylor Eldridge, but uh, the barber writer, Haley Barber, I think his name was. I told him, I said, this team will go down as one of the top 10 teams in Kansas. Yeah. As time, as time goes on. And uh, because there were, you know, J- J- Jerome Tang talks about having dudes. Yeah. That 2020 team had dudes. You had some dudes. You had, you had some horses. I mean, like you said, you had uh, Chapman's, you had Keith and Florence. And I, I still can't get over it. I mean, I'm at, like I said, I'm at the controls, but when they said, 360 dunk. It sounded like the announcer about jumped out of his own seat while calling it, and you could just hear the stadium erupt, Coke Arena erupt. I'm like, wow. Yes, like, it, yeah, it, this team. Matter of fact, I turned to our coaches and I said, "Did he just do what I think he did?" And, and they said, "Yep." I mean, I couldn't believe it, but it all happened because Thomas King dove on the floor and 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 scooted the ball ahead with his hand. I mean, it was a loose ball. And Thomas just sold out, and Teether picked it up and went and did the 360. So it t- it takes more than you know. is a is a great effort, and I'm I'm glad it happened for Teether. But uh, there were more things that went into that play as, as him just getting a 360 dunk. Okay, I'm gonna ask this question, and then I'm gonna let you go after this. But I'm always intrigued by coaching matches, and one coaching match I would have loved to have seen happen, which. I wanted to see it last year, but I knew it wasn't going to happen. Would have been Joe Hour against Luke Barnwell. But now, the way you was building that campus program, I want to throw in another coaching matchup: Coach Davis against Luke Barnwell team. That team you had against the latest Luke Barnwell team. Whose team wins that game? You, you know the 2020 team was loaded, uh, and you know it's it's something they wouldn't have backed down from. I can promise you that. And I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna take anything away from Luke because I love him and I, I really like Kyle Winstead really really well. But I'm telling you, we at the end we would have been standing. I promise you that. I promise you that because I, we had dogs and um, you know they weren't about prep school or they were just about going to school being students during the day, having fun, doing things high school kids do. And, um, you know, but I guarantee you we would have been standing with our head high. I promise you that. Absolutely. Well, Coach, and even though I know you retired, I'm going to always refer to you as Coach. I learned my lesson in junior high. Yep, right. That's how old I am. We called it junior high. And I'm going to let you go after this. But we had a gym teacher and a basketball coach. You might know him. His name is John Nash. That's the first time I didn't say his first name since that incident. Right, right. But, but I was going around, as my folks would say, I was getting big for my britches. I started referring to him by his first name. And he was just so cool with it, just, you know, head nod. And then one day, the cheerleaders came through the gym, and we seen them. And you know, little boys are going to do what little boys do and make a lot of noise. Right. Coach was in his office. He heard it. He took as much as he could, came out, shut it down, and then he singled me out. He said, Smith, you're going to get it about calling me by my first name. I'm like, uh-oh, I'm in <laughs> trouble now. So he said, next gym class, we having cake and ice cream. Cake and ice cream. Next gym class come, no cake and ice cream, regular activities. Second gym class, because we was having gym every other day. Right, right. No cake and ice cream. 
Or that third day, which was the next week, they called it doing calisthenics for the whole time. We called it boot camp. Now, <laughs> we ran sprints. We did push-ups. We did set-ups. We went outdoors. We ran laps. And I'm telling you, I was sore before the day was over. Ever since then, I've seen him not too long ago. Hey, coach, how you doing? Right. So right. it's that respect factor that I give put on that name. But so in saying that, I want to say, coach, once again, thank you for being on my podcast. And we will have to do this again because next time I have you on, I know you've seen the changes in basketball and what are some of the changes you would like to see come back to basketball. But we will table that for another show. But once again, I want to thank you for being on the train. And we'll have to do this once again, all right? Well, I hate to jump off of it, but I'll get aboard anytime. And I appreciate you so much for thinking of me. And uh, we we will absolutely do it again, okay? All right. Thanks again. All right. Thank you, Anthony. All right. Once again, our special guest, Coach Davis on the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. I am going to pause and take a break. And when I come back, I'm going to get geared up for my next break coming up later on. Coach Steve Martin. So, stay locked on the train. It's your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. I will be back. Sports Talk Podcast, your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. It's time for us all to grow together. So, if you would like to have your ad ran on the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, simply reach out to me at a.trainsportstalk at gmail.com or at 316-553-2010. Or, if you would like to sponsor a segment, you can also reach me at a.trainsportstalk at gmail.com or 316-553-2010. So let's grow together. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. all aboard A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Welcome in to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. That's right, it's your number one podcast throughout the state of Kansas. I always say I have I don't have no data to back that up, but I always say what makes number one is you, the listeners. And of course, couldn't do this without my guest. And we are coming up on football season, quick, fast, and in a hurry. And this next man I'm about to introduce to some and present to others really needs no introduction. He has been coaching at Northwest for entering his 12th season. With a 94 and 28 record overall, and need just seven wins to become the all-time winningest coach 
at Northwest High School. My friend, my brother, Steve Martin. Hello, how are you? Coach. Good to be back on here, Anthony, man. I'm excited to be on here with you. I'm excited to have you on here. I, I, I've got a loaded show today. I've had another coaching legend on by the name of Chris Davis. You know that guy? He coaches Absolutely. basketball. Yep, I know Coach. Fantastic coach. Man, and you talk about some stories. So when this podcast is dropped, you're going to hear some stories on that. Man, I mean, he has some stories to share. And I know you have something to share too, but the football season is upon us. And from some of the stuff I've read, I'm still upset I didn't get my Vibe magazine, but I got KGSO magazine, so that's just as good. And uh, you got, what, I believe eight offensive and nine defensive starters returning yes, after sir. what was tabbed as a youth movement. Expound on that, Coach. Well, you know, in 6A football, and especially in our successful programs, you know, if you go back and look at, you know, the Hutches of the world, the Derbies of the world, and, you know, the the Andels, you know. Um, there's no there's no qualms that you win football games with experience. And so we just had an influx of a lot of young talent last year um, in this sophomore class that was more talented than our upperclassmen. And we couldn't justify – not playing these guys. I mean, there was times last year we would start seven freshmen and three sophomores or four sophomores at times. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a great thing for your future, but when you're playing with seven freshmen and three sophomores against blue blood, such as Manhattans of the world and Bishop Carroll's who play, you know, older kids. So you're, 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 you're matching up your 14 and 15 year old kids with, 17 and 18 year old kids and everybody knows what testosterone and puberty does and so i don't need to go into a science explanation but sometimes just they're not as big and as strong as these guys but they're still talented enough so you know last year we played those young guys and you know we're really we're still young this year and we're going to be young next year but the the difference is is now we have the experience and we have the strength and and speed stuff covered so um, we're very, very excited coming into this season. Absolutely. And, and one of the staples of Northwest has always been, it seemed like it's just like when one coach leaves, another coach comes in and takes the baton. A staple of Northwest has been the running game. And you had L.J. Phillips and Sincere Thompson both rush for over 1,000 yards. Would it be a safe bet to say that Northwest is running back high school I, I would say i would like to challenge any other high school with the statistics that we've been able to put up in the run game with our production from our backs and o-line i i would have to say we are running back high i don't think anyone really comes close to that i think uh you know dating back um since the 2013 season we've had at least two running backs go over a thousand yards and since 2015 our quarterback and both running backs have went over a thousand yards. So, you know, I think that's pretty safe to say that's a pretty good characterization of, of Northwest high school. Now, my next question is because we know the game of football has drastically changed. So I would say the Northwest program is the running back position has been devalued, but yet you look at Northwest and I'll even say, look at Georgia. 
you guys just turn out running backs. So how do you prepare for the next level when they, if they go to the next level, that their position may be devalued? What do you tell them? Are there some other skills? Or do you decide to say, you know what, I'm going to open up my playbook and we're going to incorporate a more of a passing attack, but at the same time, we can still produce 1,000-yard rushers? Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't say at the NFL level they devalue running backs. What I would say is that there's a lot of great backs out there. And so, you know, you look at what happened with Brees this year at the Jets. The Jets went out and got Dalvin Cook um, as an insurance policy. And so when you look at that and the running game in the NFL, you still have to run the ball to win football games. And so I wouldn't say it's undervalued. But they just know that, like us at Northwest High School, we're going to always have at least two to three backs that can tote the rock on Friday nights. And so when you do that, and then you filter them out by who goes on the Division One FCS level, FBS level, it's the same story out of K-State, uh, a Georgia, a Notre Dame. They're backfield. They're going to keep five backs, and all five of those backs could play for any Division One in the country. And so there's only 32 football teams uh, in the NFL – and now they only have two, three running backs on roster. Well, you do the math and that's, you know, 96, 96 guys. Well, you know, there's so many high schools. I, I don't think it's undervalued. It's just that it's they only need one guy on the field at a time. And, uh, you know, most offenses now you got three wide receivers at a time. So, you know, I wouldn't say they're undervalued um, for that aspect. And so, I mean, running backs still make the world go round. Absolutely. That's how I feel about it. Now, I noticed here uh, that uh, you have a running back, uh, I'm getting this right, L.J. Phillips. It seems like that name has been very synonymous. It seems like he's been there for 10 years. You just hear that name. But he's headed to South Dakota. Uh, looking at your offensive line, though, you, you got some beef up there, and I'm not trying to take that name away from Kansas State because that's their name, image, and likeness. But you have a Nathan Davis. Six foot two sixty five, Dalton Schrader six five two eighty five. I'm pretty sure he's getting some looks, and a Braxton Hopper five eleven two forty. How how else is your offensive line rounding up? Well, and then you know you got a up and coming sophomore that we feel is going to be highly recruited, and uh, DeAngelo Williams, who's six four two hundred fifty five at right tackle, and then you got a a a left guard in Devin Gracie, who's six foot two hundred thirty pounds. So. You know, what we always look for at Northwest is our offensive line doesn't need – we don't need big guys like Dalton Schrader size. Now, it's great when we have them. Yes. But we like those guys in the Braxton Hopper, Devin Gracie, Nathan Davis realm because with our zone scheme, we like to run and overtake people and get up to the second and third levels. And if you watch the Northwest football game on tape, you would notice that our offensive line gives great effort. And there's a lot of times the reason why we spring long runs – is because a backside tackle or guard has cut off someone up in the secondary. So we take great value in running um, at every position on the offense for us. Absolutely. So your season starts off as it normally does. You got a gauntlet. You got Bishop Carroll. You have Heights, Capen. And I may as well throw in this up and coming, although you didn't have a problem beating him last year, but each year is different. You got East High, who gave Bishop Carroll a run for their money. So your schedule starts with the gauntlet. Then you have Topeka, you have South, and then at West, and then you have 
Manhattan. I noticed, though, North isn't on the schedule. How did that take place? That, that, that schedule is made by our uh, city league administrators, our athletic directors, and, you know, whether a team doesn't want to play somebody or whatever, um, that's just how it's made. You know, next year, um, Northwest will be the only city league school that will only play five city league games. Um, I, there's some schools that don't want to play us and they've been verbal about playing us. So, you know, next year, like we drop heights off our schedule. And so we add Junction City in place of them. And then we drop uh, South off the schedule and we add Goddard Eisenhower. So, you know, I, I don't know what goes into those those uh, decisions, but, um, you know, we're going to take the hardest. We want to play a hard schedule. Um, we don't talk about winning City League here at Northwest. We talk about uh, playoff positioning um, to have the most success in November. And that's really what we focus on is that aspect because the ultimate goal is for us to win a state title here at Northwest. We've done pretty much everything else you can do, but do that. You know, we've sent kids to the NFL. We've sent them to Division One. We sent them at every level. We've had successful uh, CEOs come out of my program. We've had great dads and great workers and co-workers. But the one thing that we have not produced here at Northwest is a state title. And so um, that's where our focus is. Absolutely. So we want the toughest schedule we can possibly have. Absolutely. And so you just brought something to my attention that I didn't know was going on about teams not wanting to play against each other. And, I mean, if I could just be blunt, I mean, you put a whip, whipping on South, 79-8, and it's just a matter of how many times you got to take those whippings before you say, you know what, I'm through with that. But what they don't realize is that's actually preparing you to actually strengthen your schedule. But right. now I have a question for you because I know you hate seeing scores like that, even though you're on the right side of the score. What would you say to a program like, say, a South? Now, I know you're only concerned about Northwest, but like a South in the North, what would you say to those programs to help them get their programs turned around? Because I know you've rebuilt programs and you've kept programs at a high level like you're doing right now. Like I said, the only thing missing is that championship. What would you tell schools like the South and the North? Well, I mean, I think, and I think they're doing what they're doing. They're, they're worried about what, who are in their building and, you know, and they're getting out. I, you know, coach uh, Mitch over at North is doing a great job of, you know, being an alum there at North is, is really rallying the kids to get more kids out. And, you know, he's selling the point that, Hey, we'll, if you want us to be good, you need to keep coming out for football so that we can, um, that, so that we can have a successful football team. So, I mean, I think is, is you just got to stick to your, your, your guns and, and, and just keep on hammering through and, 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 and not go off of, um, you know, what's, you know, what's going to happen if, if you coach a kid this way, or if we run to this offense, it doesn't matter. It's just, you got to stick to your guns and you got to stand for something. You know, that, that's really the best advice that I have. Absolutely. So, the Bishop Carroll game is always the opening game of the season. And, of course, you say you got Heights next. Of course, you won't have them next year. But it appears that the oldest team in the city, and I wonder how that will bode well when it comes time to play them, because you say you still have a young team. The oldest team you have is looking like it's going to be that Heights team that have a plethora of seniors how much does experience play a factor in the game because at the end of the day i know it's about x's and o's and 
being coached up by their respective coaches. So how much does that experience play a factor in games like this? You know, I think what it, what it goes down to is his experience, whether, you know, you know, I talk about not playing freshman and sophomores, you know, but I, I believe, you know, there's a lot of teams right now in the city that have a lot of experience. You know, East High returns 10 on offense. I know Heights returns a majority of their defense back. You know, and 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 we were we we we, excuse me, we uh, return most of our roster. So, you know, we feel very fortunate in that we feel like our kids are ready to go and, uh, you know, that they're going to continue to do what they need to do to be successful. Absolutely. Well, coach, I'm not going to keep you on here long because I know you had to do walkthroughs today. I know you got a busy day ahead of you, but I want to wish you the best of luck this season. And if you had to make a prediction. I'm putting you on the spot. If you had to make a prediction this year, who wins the G-Wall? And you can include your team as well, too. Yeah, Northwest High School will win the G-Wall. All right. Then the next question is, how far do you go in state? I believe with the talent that we have and the speed we have, if we stay healthy, we should be bringing our first state title home. Well, I'm going to hold you to that. I'm going to be following you throughout the season, so I'm going to hold you to that. But I want to thank you for being on the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. Always a pleasure to have you on. Good luck to the Northwest Grizzlies this year. And, Coach, go get you some rest. Don't try to run around like Superman today. Get you some rest, all right? You have a wonderful my day. Notre Dame, my Notre Dame Fighting Irish play at 1.30, so I know I'll be on the couch watching football. So, all God right bless then. you. Thank you for having me on. Thank you, sir. Once again, my guest, Coach Steve Martin, it's always a pleasure to have him on. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to go ahead and take me a final break and come back, and I will bring this train into the tracks, into the station. So don't you go nowhere. The A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. I'll come back to wrap things up. your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. It's time for us all to grow together. So, if you would like to have your ad ran on the A-Train Sports Talk podcast, simply reach out to me at a.trainsportstalk at gmail.com or at 316-553-2010. Or, if you would like to sponsor a segment, you can also reach me at a.trainsportstalk at gmail.com or 316-553-2010. So let's grow together. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. And now, back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast.
podcast bring you a lot of high school football preview and there is still some more to come i will probably wrap that up next week but special thanks to my guest chris davis Steve Martin, and there is something I forgot to ask Coach Martin, because there's a guy on, I believe it's Channel 3 News, he's a sports anchor guy, I think his name is Zach Martin, I think, I meant to ask him, was that his son, or was he related, because they look a lot alike, that's just me personally, they look a lot alike, they look like they could be related, I'll put you that much. Anyways, I said, I'm bringing this train to the track, but there is a story that developed upon yesterday as I shift. I'm still talking football. And I know some of you Dallas Cowboy fans are probably wondering about this, if it's a good trade or not. I mean, this is the team that has basically beaten us the last two years in the playoffs. We could, We have not been able to get around them. Trey Lance trade. Cowboys get new backup QB as the 49ers part ways with former number three pick for fourth rounder. Trey Lance has played his final down with the San Francisco 49ers. Just two days after demoting him, the 49ers traded Lance to the Dallas Cowboys for a 2024 fourth round pick, as confirmed by CBS Sports lead NFL insider. Jonathan Jones. San Francisco receives draft capital for Lance, the number three overall pick in the 2021 NFL Draft. Cowboys get a 23-year-old quarterback to potentially back up starter Dak Prescott. Now, here's his numbers thus far. 48.4% completion percentage, 194 yards, no touchdown, one interception, 6.26 yards in the attempt. The writing was on the wall for Lance in San Francisco when the 49ers demoted him to third string behind starter Brock Purdy and backup Sam Darnold. Lance was slated to play in the 49ers' third preseason game on Friday night against the Chargers prior to being traded to Dallas. Lance, who suffered an injury after just two starts last season, started four games during his first two years with the 49ers with mixed results. 49ers went 2-2 two two in those games with Lance completing just 55% of his passes with five touchdowns and three picks. But Lance was essentially thrown into the fire last year when Jimmy Garoppolo went down with a season-ending injury. According to The Athletic, the 49ers have opened up 940000 in 2023 salary cap space and $5.3 million in 2024 cap space. Dallas will take on all of Trey Lance's fully guaranteed contract. More than 30 years ago, the 49ers made a head-scratching trade when they dealt pass rusher Charles Haley to the Cowboys. Haley ended up being a Hall of Famer, and his presence in Dallas helped the Cowboys defeat the 49ers in the next two NFC Championship games. It'll be interesting to see if history repeats itself regarding Lance and the trade that went down Friday night. So here's an instant grade 
for Friday night's trade, a trade that sent shockwaves to the NFL during the final weekend of the preseason. 49ers, they get a B-. Credit the 49ers for quickly finding a trade partner and getting decent capital in return. A fourth-round pick is nothing to scoff at, especially in exchange for a quarterback with a 54.9 completion percentage who was just demoted to third string. San Francisco gets dinged, however, for trading Lance just two years after making him the number three overall pick. The fact that they gave up on him after two years isn't a great look, especially when you look at the players they could have taken with that pick. Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, J.C. Horn, Patrick Sertain II, Devontae Smith, Justin Fields, and Michael Parsons were taken shortly after the 49ers selected Lance. Cowboys get a B plus. This grade might be a little high, considering that Lance is an unproven player who the 49ers essentially gave up on. But sometimes all the player needs is a fresh start, and that could be the case for Lance, who could unlock his potential in Dallas under Mike McCarthy's tutelage. Lance has the luxury of working with Prescott, who should be an ideal mentor for the young quarterback. Best case, Lance becomes an adequate backup who can step in and perform well enough to keep the train on the tracks. Worst case, Lance doesn't materialize and the Cowboys lost a considerable draft pick that could have been used to shore up another part of the roster. So there you have the grade on the Trey Lance trade that, as you heard, sent shockwaves throughout the NFL. So, Dallas Cowboy fans, there will be a poll question for y'all to answer. It will be in the link. Was this a good trade for the Cowboys, or did the Cowboys give up too much to acquire this trade in Trey Lance? Well, y'all, that is going to do it for me. Like I said, it was fun having this loaded show. I can sit back, watch some football, whatever you want to do. Just get out, enjoy the day, but also enjoy train ride. Until the next time, you take care of yourself, each other. Have a magnificent weekend. Your one and only favorite conductor, Anthony Smith, bringing his train to the station. Peace.